0: All right, so like I said, this is kind of my style where we just jump right in. I've always, and again, we are recording this now, so this is like official, official. So I've always enjoyed doing that. I've just kind of it being a natural progression and not the awkward, uh, hey, Shiloh, how are you? Because we obviously already said hello. Do you know what I mean? Right. It sounds so scripted, but I will say, hello, Shiloh welcome back to the podcast. Um, And I will ask, even though I did already ask you, so you can let the listeners know, how are you today?
1: I'm doing very well today. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and um, feeling grateful for life.
0: Amazing. I love that. Yeah. Gratitude is something that is on my radar a lot lately, uh, both personally and something that I encourage all of my clients to practice is that gratitude piece. I think it's one of the most underutilized and probably undervalued um, emotions, I guess we'd say, of the the feeling of gratitude. I don't know if that lands with you at all.
1: Oh, yeah, completely. I, um, I call it the super scale,
0: like of mm. all
1: the other mindset and work and, you know, ways that we can manage our emotions and our minds. Um, gratitude is the one that kind of is the umbrella for all the others.
0: Right. Yeah, I love it. I wanted to share an analogy, which I think will kind of be a launch pad for you and I on this conversation and also for the listeners to understand my motivation for having you on again. And um, I I think really tie in your work and my work. So if you don't mind, I'm just going to take you down a little analogy path for a minute. That's okay. Absolutely. Um, The other day we were either driving the kids to Montessori or from Montessori. It's irrelevant, but we were, I was driving, uh, our two kids, our son currently is three and our daughter is four. And we drove past, um, a stretch of the highway where it's just basically all forest. And there were some trees that were, uh, uprooted and blown over and some that were still standing strong, And our daughter asked a very inquisitive question, and it was, Dad, why are some of those trees uprooted and bent over, and some of them obviously still standing strong? And I said, well, it could be a couple reasons, but I would assume that those trees uh, got uprooted in our latest storm here in Nova Scotia with all the winds and high winds that we had. And... I looked at that tree in that moment that was tilted over and uprooted as such a great analogy for things like relationships, things like life, things like business success. And here's how I tie it in is when you have strong roots, whether it be in business, relationship, you mentioned mindset as well. So strong roots with ourselves. um, There isn't a lot that can shake us. But if we don't have those strong roots, whether it be, again, in a relationship or uh, be it intimate or professional, um, if we lack those strong roots, we're very easily swayed and could potentially snap what we've created. Um, I'd love to get your take on that from a relationship standpoint on the importance of roots uh, to be strong. And then if you can help us understand what are some of the things that you work on with your clients to ensure that those roots are strong, that they can withstand those storms that are, are inevitable to come at some point.
1: Mm, I love that analogy. Thank you for that question. So strong roots. I love that because yes. um, You know, I talk about my brand is the real life love story, which means real life still happens and -hmm. you create a love story through that. There's going to be the storms and, and the challenges right so when it comes to having strong roots what I would define that as is emotional safety Mm. with yourself and the ability to offer that to some to be a safe person right Um, that is the foundational piece that makes you resilient to emotional storms to financial storms and so many things happen in life children etc even Um, even if your relationship wasn't the problem the other things can uproot you Um, and so one of the ways that I teach emotional safety is the first one is to have a relationship with yourself that is loving and nurturing so for women that's mothering yourself essentially Mm -hmm. we we mother our children we often mother our friends sometimes we even get into mothering our husbands which I they not to do, but it's habitual. We want to give and do for all these people. And so what I say is take all that energy where you're compelled to hold space and nurture someone's emotions and care about how they feel, anticipate their needs, you know, coordinate their, their life that it works for them and do that for yourself. And the, the simplest way to do that is to pay attention to how you feel. So when you're not feeling good, it's like, oh hey, you're not feeling good. Tell me more about that. What's going on there? Oh, you haven't had any time to yourself. Okay, how can we work that out? Or oh, you haven't had any exercise. Like, yeah, exercise is important. Let's let's get that going. Um, and so that would be the piece that um no matter what happens in life, you have a way, you have like a a method to deal to not deal, I hate to use that word, but. To process and hold space for yourself.
0: Hmm. Love it. I think what comes up for me when you say that is something that I've in the last few weeks just been so turned on by in the work with my clients and just really motivating. The work that I'm putting out on mass is this idea between this idea sorry this differentiation between IQ and EQ and EQ meaning emotional intelligence. And I think what you're saying is exactly that is one's ability. To understand his or her or their emotions um, and be able to articulate them, but then also be able to practice empathy externally to those around them. So in your work that you do, predominantly with couples and that interaction, and obviously the family's um families uh dynamic would come into that as well. And then obviously with my work, it's more of a professional setting where there's a leader dealing with his or her or their team. Um, but still having the ability to be empathetic and understand and see them for who they are. But what I hear you saying is, if we expect to do that externally, the first step is getting as good as we can at it internally. Yes.
1: Yes, one hundred percent. And I I love the the connections you're making because I see them all too. You know, between the romantic interpersonal and in the leadership team realm one of the things that women crave in marriage, um, is a calm leader. Mm -hmm. So, So, you know, if a man has that mastery of his emotions, where if he's triggered, he can feel that and contain it. You know, if he's scared, he can feel that and contain it. If he's even feeling threatened by you, he can feel that and contain it as opposed to projecting or blaming or even, um, even the physiological expression, you know, when you see someone is upset, like a man gets a bit activated, is threatening. And when you're the leader, whether that's of your family or of an organization, everybody's highly tuned to your emotional state. So if you have that capacity, it is it's so valuable. Like it's so valuable to be a leader who has that capacity.
0: Can you help me understand what you mean by contain it and I I want to just I want to selfishly understand it because when I hear that, my my brain downloads it as bottle it up, which I think is the antithesis of what you're saying. Because yeah. if we keep things inside too much, obviously then it's going to manifest and probably produce something even uglier. So when you say contain it and you coach your clients through that, help me understand what that looks like.
1: Okay. Thank you for that question. Um, containment is the Sorry, concept containment. of Sorry, yes. holding your own emotions. So if... Um, if so, for example, say you said something to me and I didn't like it. Maybe you had an idea or an opinion that offended me, right? This happens all the time in conversation and people go, oh, how could you say that? That's so rude. Like that's so ignorant. Like you're, you, you, you can't say those things out loud. That's me not containing. That's me just reacting. So mm-hmm. containment would be, oh, I feel a little flare go off. I call it the fire being lit. You feel a bit of heat and because you have the internal awareness you go i'm feeling angry you know i'm feeling shame i'm feeling uh powerless you know one of my values has been confronted here and is this a situation where i express it or not so one of the, the things that I teach that is not, um, it's kind of politically incorrect, but I, I note it to be successful in heterosexual relationships is that the masculine is um, more responsible for containment and the feminism, feminine is more responsible for expression. So um, if I'm expressing my feelings to my husband and he starts expressing his feelings back to me, now I can't express my feelings anymore because <laughs> now I'm holding space for his feelings. So, um, but in a work setting and in a um, business setting, containment is the priority, unless someone welcomes you to express, right? Like now's the time for feedback. What are you feeling about this? Like a strong leader will welcome that feedback. And then you'll say, okay, well, this isn't working for me. That's upsetting me. Um, So containment is when you don't allow your emotions to land on the other person to penetrate them, to affect them. You're like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be responsible for these. I know what they are, they matter. And I'm going to be strategic about how they get let out, where they get let out. Mm-hmm. And then the expressive side, um, which is really valuable if you're in the number two role or you're not the leader is responsible expression, which means I feel the flame and I go, oh, I felt upset by that, I didn't like it. And instead of again, projecting and blaming you, this guy's a jerk, he says all these dumb things, I go, Hey, you know, can I share something with you? When I heard you say women can't do this or men are responsible for containment, you know, I felt upset. I felt angry. Can you explain more? Right. Mm -hmm. So both in either realm, you're being very, very responsible for your own emotions. These are my emotions. And I'm going to choose how I'm going to express those to you.
0: I love it. And I love what you shared. Uh, In regards to just the way you articulated it. And I feel like, and I'm projecting here, but I feel like a lot of the clients that I sit down with, um, and we are seeing a change in this, but a lot of the the people I sit down with in leadership roles and like C-suite executives, it's generally a dominant male space. And we're seeing that change for the better, I believe. Um, And they may not have that. I think it was just a general statement. They may not have that practice to articulate those things. And I want everyone to really understand what Shiloh just said in regards to um, how she actually spoke it. And it was, I feel, which is such a strong ownership. Like you said, like I'm owning it. I'm not saying you, what you, like you did this and saying, I feel this way. So when you, I feel, which I think is such a, um, strong relationship language, but also can be taken into a boardroom or into a business interaction. So when you, I feel, so again, I'm owning the emotions. So I love that um, help along with the articulation. And I also would love for you to expand on this idea of masculine and feminine and again, I feel like this is far more your realm than mine. I've dipped my, I've dipped my toe into it a bit, but help the listeners understand that even though I identify as a man and I am more masculine, I have hair on my face and I have hair on my chest and my voice is lower and all of those things, but I also embody feminine energy as well. So there's that inside of me, there's both of those things. So Can you deeper help myself and listeners understand when you say masculine and feminine and how it actually can and does exist in both, um, genders at all times?
1: Sure. Absolutely. So, um, masculine and feminine can be considered energies or ways of being in the world. Um, they can also be correlated with testosterone and estrogen. So they're connected to real physical chemical realities in our bodies, Um, And as such, women have more estrogen than testosterone, but they have both. And men have more testosterone than estrogen, but they have both. Um, And the primary um, categories associated, if just broad strokes, is the masculine is associated with action, direction, and leadership. And the feminine is associated with being, connection, and responsiveness. Mm. So you can conceptualize things that a man does or a woman does in either way, depending on what mode of being they're in. I know that can seem really high level, but I hope that helps.
0: No, definitely. I appreciate that. Yeah, and I love the language of mode of being. And I think, again, looking at the work that I'm facilitating with my clients, it's helping them understand how they need to be in different scenarios and perhaps what energy they need to tap into more in different scenarios. And this is both for uh, people that identify as males or females. And I love the idea of females that are able to in the, in the appropriate moments and times as defined by them, tap into that masculine energy. And I also love witnessing and watching these quote unquote masculine men being able to tap into that feminine And uh, I look at it like just showing a bit um, of a softer edge, perhaps, and pushing back on the predominant stories we've been hearing for so long about men's inability to do X or they're incapable to feel those things or articulate those things. And I think it's people like you and the work that you do that are really helping this along. And I do my absolute best to help these men as well, you know, articulate Things like emotions and feelings, let them know that it's okay. You're supposed to have these things and um you should feel them.
1: May Here. I uh add something to that about men?
0: Go on, go for it.
1: Um the the part that I love that really resonates with me is men being connected to their hearts. So mm. what's happened in the current climate or whatever, the 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 dominant mode of being for men is to um achieve dominance through rejection of emotion, right? Like I, it doesn't matter how I feel. It doesn't matter what I want. I just got to get the thing, right? That's the direction and achieving and, and getting. And there's a beauty in that and there's a productivity and there's an efficiency in it. And there's nothing wrong with any of that. The World would not be spinning the way it is <laughs> if men weren't driven, right? Um, but because the narrative that has come to them is that's only possible through the sacrifice of your heart it becomes this binary for them. Either I collapse into this sloppy feminine posture where I do nothing and I'm in a wallowing in my feelings all the time, or I cut that off and I get things done. And what is so exciting for me is when I see these empowered traditional masculine men go, oh, wow, I can have both. Like, and actually it makes me more powerful because the seat of my satisfaction is my heart. So now Mm. I have this wellspring of energy to produce and be creative that fuels me further and also allows me to um, create a a better work-life balance where I can have the beautiful marriage and the relationship with my kids as well as financial or status success. And that I find really, really exciting.
0: Yeah, that's so encouraging. And I I think the way you described it would be, similar to like the high i get off of the work that i do i'm i just i can only imagine you if i was a spider on the wall and you were watching this unfold with one of your clients how that would just be like such a juicy moment for you to be witnessing and probably worth more than what they're paying you as far as the uh, investment they're making
1: yes yes absolutely
0: um i want i want to highlight your work a bit more before we get deeper into this and i want you to bring me up to speed uh and obviously my listeners as well it's been a while since we've connected um what's changed in your business what's changed in your offerings what are you educating yourself on more what are you turned on by as far as your field of work and um yeah just help help me understand what's gone on for you in the past little while and and help listeners know um more of like the niche that you're working in nowadays.
1: Oh, I love that question. So exciting. Thank you. Um I'll start with my offerings. I'm just trying to organize myself here cuz I've so many things I want to say. I'll start with my offerings and then go to what what you talked about the growth edge or what I'm learning, which is a really fun topic. Um so I think when we spoke last I just had a one-on-one offering which I still have, which is is my um, you know, VIP high intensity 6 weeks, you get six sessions, and also, you know, voice, that memo, text message, like, you're just, I'm just in your pocket, helping you through every step of the way. And what's so cool is women come to me wanting to improve their marriages, and six weeks is like a, a transformation. Like, mm-hmm. it's like a huge, it's a revolution in six weeks. And I wouldn't have believed that before I did this work. People say it takes years, it does not have to. Um, so that work is, you know, still available and really exciting for me. And that's especially women who want to, like, just go all in, right, they're like, I don't want to just half measure it anymore, I want to like really deep dive and create the the love story that I, I want for myself, and then I've also created a, a digital program that you can take, so this is called Happily Married Woman, and it has four modules, and it can, it distills all the wisdom that I teach my one-on-one clients, and I think there's 33 videos, workbooks, the whole thing, and I'll just give you the um, kind of arc of it, the first section of four the first section you learn how to put yourself first so this idea of self-care and worthiness and loving yourself is very out there in the world but not that easy to implement if it's something that you haven't done before um, if something that you know you struggle with women will always say to me i do everything in the house and how do i get my husband blah 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 and i'll say well why don't you just take one day off like just don't do it for one day and they'll be like oh i can't do that <laughs> like okay We gotta go a little deeper, right? There's emotional reasons that you are not able to put stuff down, right? It's not that simple. So putting yourself first, self-care, inner child work, meeting yourself on a real deep level. The second one is understanding the masculine, both um, the instinctual masculine and the society masculine, right, because those dovetail the way that men are raised and also just their instinctual responses to the world are things that are very, very foreign to women. We see it happen all around us and it makes no sense because, you know, we're like, why do guys do that stuff? Why do guys? just like when we're little kids in school, we're like, why are you guys getting in this? Like, you know, there's always this confusion happening, which I know men express the same thing about women. Like women do stuff that makes no sense. Why are they doing that? Um, and so I helped you unravel all of that. And what I love about that module is um, the goal is to really honor and respect men and release any of the resentment or blame that you've been carrying or that you've picked up from society that men are somehow a problem um, or masculinity is a problem and then in the third module we talk communication you know how to speak when things aren't working how to speak positively how to speak casually in a way that just deepens the intimacy so it's not just like ah, oh, we talk but it doesn't feel good you know you want to feel good when you're talking with your partner and so like, we get into that in communication module And then the final final module is about being the lover. And this is about reclaiming womanhood, sensuality, pleasure, like radiance. The things that really are women's birthright, but are often dropped through motherhood or maybe dampened even in adolescence. And then we get up 30 and 40, 50 and are like, I don't really feel good. Like if you don't have that connection to your body, you can have all the material success and the husband and the kids and yet you're dampened and you're dull. Um, and so that one's really exciting for me, too, because just a little bit of that's the feminine energy model mo- modulus so we focus on just lighting yourself up as a woman, um, which is so empowering first of all you don't have to wait for someone to light you up which is kind of how we feel like if some guy said the right thing to me i could feel attractive if some guy took me on the right kind of date i would feel like a woman it's like you can't just wait for those things you might be old and gray um so that's 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 the program in a nutshell um so going on to what you asked about what i'm learning I remember in our last talk, we talked about being a relationship ninja, and all you can do without communication, like all you can do just by changing your energy and changing your approach, and um, and changing your relationship with yourself, which I still love and is still the bedrock. But this winter has been this amazing uncovering for me of how important so-called negative emotions are, right? The sadness, the grief, the fear, um, the anger sadness, grief, fear, anger, the taboo, don't say these things, don't show them, you know, we, we as women do mostly a good job of hiding that stuff until it erupts and we burn the place down. Um, And what I'm, what I'm surprised to discover is that that Brene Brown talks about this all the time, but until you experience it, it cracks you open it cracks you open to receive the joy, to receive the pleasure, to receive the love. And so when, as women, we try to be the good wife, the reasonable wife, that means we, we, we stuff down the negative things because they're kind of um, irritating, inconvenient. There's no time for that. Like, if you feel sad, just kind of deal with it, right? Um, But really exploring and, and, Practicing I practice everything, I'm like the lab in my house, um, how to express those hard emotions without projecting blame and judgment because the reason we think our husbands can't hear any of that is because often we don't realize there's they come with a signature of of blame and judgment or entitlement, like you have to fix this, you did this, right you're doing something wrong, and so when we send that message with kind of, it's almost like a, like a Trojan horse or something. We don't realize we're doing it, but then we get this this negative response or response we didn't want. And that, that feeds back into our story of my feelings don't matter. I should have kept this to myself anyways. Mm-hmm. I'm just gonna go back to my corner. Um, and so I feel really excited and the idea of self-responsibility, right? which I've picked up three, four years ago, it keeps getting deeper. You can always take more responsibility. And that to me is really exciting.
0: Mm, I love that. Thank you for sharing all that. And I I love the idea of responsibility. I just wrapped up a meeting this morning. I won't share the client's name uh, just to be safe, but they're going through uh, a big hiring phase right now. And something transpired with one of their potential hires and I asked uh, the leadership team, I asked, well, whose fault is that? And they all kind of rolled their eyes because they knew where I was going with it. And they said, it's our fault kind of passively. <laughs> and I said, yeah, but, but let's, let's be serious about it. It, it is because if it, if it isn't our fault, then we're just blaming someone else. And that puts us in a really powerless position. Um, and I love the it's a bit of a cliche, but when I point my finger at you or someone else, there's actually three fingers pointing back at me. And I love this sense of ownership. And if I own it, then I'm in charge and I can actually change it. Whereas if I'm constantly making it your issue or society's issue or the government's issue or gas prices or whatever it may be, then then I'm never in control. I'm always uh, at the mercy of what's happening externally to me. And one thing I wanted to unpack that you shared uh before the growth and kind of education piece in regards to your your new online offering the course and the modules you were talking about that last module, the lover one, where it's really um touching base with the feminine again, and you mentioned uh you know as women and as men as well as we as we age, perhaps it's a little difficult to to light that fire. And we expect like, Oh, when this happens, when, when, you know, Romeo shows up, then I will feel this way. And I actually just had this conversation with a client, obviously it wasn't about their intimate relationship, but it was about how they were showing up to work and their business and for their team. And they were showing up in this way. And it was when I have X, I will then do X and I will be, happy, excited, successful, whatever it may be. And I showed them literally on a whiteboard how what they are saying is something has to happen externally for me to do something that I really want to do that will make me feel happy. And I said, you need to do the opposite. You need to be that way first, then do those things. And then you'll have whatever it is that you're looking for. Have you heard this concept before of like, instead of have, do, be, it's be, do, have?
1: Yes. Yes. I've come across the be, do, have framework.
0: Yeah. And have you ever applied it in any of your working sessions with your clients? Because it's, it's it's sound, it sounds to me like it's pretty applicable to women that may be in that fixed mindset of bit of like, oh, when this man comes or this man does this thing, then I will do that thing and then I'll be happy.
1: That's interesting. I haven't, I haven't applied it so directly, but you're right. It's embedded in everything I do because that last module is to be the lover. Right. You're being an ir- I, I call it like the irresistible woman, right? Like if you be irresistible, if you know you're irresistible, if you move and breathe with this belief, it comes true instantly, like literally Instantly, it comes true, and it might not be your husband, but people start whistling at you on the street. Like it's, it's like that with our mindset. Mm -hmm. That when we and and you know, people say, "Well, how do you do that?" Like I don't feel that way, right? You just it's baby steps. So I'll 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 give you a silly example, but these things all help, right? You walk like people are watching you walk, right? Instead of just hustling around with your scowl and your bags, you know, be like. I'm on stage, <laughs> people are watching me. You know, you have your little fantasy life in your head. And, and this can really um, be a beautiful way to break the mundane, to be more playful, to have some fun, which is also part of that same lover energy is the playfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it, what, what you're speaking of, and I know you know this, but it's just the victim mindset mm-hmm. versus, you know, what do you, what's the opposite of the victim mindset? What do we call that?
0: Well, I, do, I just I would label it like the I think a couple of the books behind me. do It's, it's the fixed mindset versus the growth mindset, right, the
1: growth mindset, right? The fixed mindset for the growth mindset. So I always think of it as the fixed mindset versus the creator mindset. Right. so One of the questions I ask myself when you talk about this responsibility thing is how am I creating this? Mm-hmm. So this thing happened to me. Right. How did I create that? Right. Maybe I didn't do all of it, but this surely did some of it. So when I ask myself that question, then I can get into like, okay, maybe I came with a certain energy and expectation. Maybe I didn't do my due diligence, you know, when business, you know, I didn't I didn't really do all the things I knew I was supposed to do, but Mm -hmm. I thought it'd be fine. Right? Okay, that happens. That's okay. We can make mistakes. Or with women, we're like, you know, my husband has changed so much since we got married. That's the big thing, right? Like he used to be active, he used to give me compliments, he used to be engaged and now he's really really passive right and that's the fixed mindset of if he wouldn't be that way I would be happy right if he would go back to how he was I would be happy and we would be better and that might be true if I was talking to him I would say that right but if I'm talking to you it's like well why don't you go back to how you were when you met and then watch him get happy and be the guy he was when you met and you yeah. know it works in either arrangement
0: yeah yeah this is, I love I love the idea of like extreme ownership in every aspect of our lives, our bodies, yeah. our bank accounts, our relationships, all of those things, and the moment we catch ourselves, pointing the finger, like I said, there's three fingers pointing back at you. So if I want a more intimate connection with my wife, if I want to have more impact with my clients, if i whatever it may be, I can't be pointing my finger because if I am then i'm really i'm I'm three times holding myself more accountable. What should Brad be doing? What can Brad be doing? Where did I miss? And that again, it puts us in a more powerful position and it alleviates us from ever having that victim mentality. And if I can just bring it right back to the start of our conversation and what you just mentioned about, you know, playing a bit and walk like you are on a runway, walk like you got a little swagger. If you find that challenging and you may even begin to resent, perhaps Shiloh and I sitting here and kind of offering up it as an easy exercise. And perhaps you can't get there. I think the one thing you can do, which we mentioned at the very start of this podcast to help break that narrative is practice gratitude. Just sit there and just think about what you're grateful for, because I find it really difficult personally, and feel free to interject and interrupt here. I find it really difficult to remain in a fixed mindset or remain in a grumpy mood or be depressed, or whatever it is, if I can sit there and just touch base with three things I'm grateful for. It completely changes how I show up. It completely changes my physical appearance as well. Like Everything changes when I practice gratitude. And I think that would allow for a lot of us to show up in ways that we know that we could or should for those around us, especially in our intimate relationships.
1: I, I really appreciate you bringing up people's resistance to these ideas. Because you know, there's people being like, "Oh, come on! Now I got to do more stuff. Like, what is this? What if right. you guys are ridiculous? We're, we're obviously a little intense, right? It might be a little much for some people with like our striving for like the expansive, infinite, right? Which is our jam. Not everyone's be like that. But what I hear as well, first of all, backing up gratitude, hundred percent, hundred percent. We have a, a forest. I walk in now every morning, and I just it brings me to tears." every time but i could just stay in the house and be grumpy about the laundry and the mess easily i have those options there's still more work to do right and so it is a real choice to do the gratitude thing but it it pays off tenfold um and i wanted to add another thing that came up for me when you said you know people's resistance to these practices whenever i have clients and i suggest something to them and i i catch a little fire come up in them It's always an indication for me that your inner child is feeling ripped off, right? It's like, nobody has paid attention to me yet and you expect me to go out there and perform on the runway. Hell no, right? Like, I need some attention. I'm gonna throw a fit right now. And that's a good thing. Like, don't push through that and just do the thing and and think that's what you gotta do. Go back and go, why is it so angering to me that someone would ask that of me? And then it might be like, well, I'm just really sad. I'm really burnt out. I feel lonely, right? Like I have all these unmet feelings and and nobody asks me how I'm doing. A lot of women will say that. Nobody asks me how I'm doing. Why doesn't someone ask me how I'm doing? You can ask yourself how you're doing. That doesn't mean someone else should not ask you and it does not mean they can or you can't move towards receiving that from others, but it's very difficult to receive from others what you're declaring never happens right? This never happens for me. You better do it. Mm-hmm. There's a big conflict of beliefs there, right? So you have to start by doing it for yourself. So you can go, you know what? I always ask myself how I'm doing it. It actually pre- feels really good. And I, you know, maybe someone else would do that. Maybe I could ask for that at some point when I'm feeling less ragey <laughs> at the world, right? So you don't, I'm also trying to explore this, this, uh, this balance, I don't know what you want to call it, between striving and self-acceptance. I saw Brene Brown and I think Tim Ferriss talk about it on their podcast. And it's like, as much as I love the self-help and the expansion and the mindset work, I am also very cognizant how that can be an off road for shame. Like, I'm not good enough. I need to keep doing things and performing. And it can actually drive you deeper into your wounding as as an avoidance whereas like that part of you that feels shame needs to be met like fully.
0: Yeah, there's no there is no there's no growth with shame, be it professional, um personal in relationships. If someone like I mean, we have two young kids and I know because I've done it, we've done it, um because we're learning as well as parents to young humans, like the shame thing just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. There's no growth there. Um, and the same in a business setting and in a relationship as well. Like if you shame me for something that I did, um, I'm likely to just kind of like entrench myself and it's not an emotion that is good to feel. Shame is just uh I, I think extremely toxic um in in business and in relationships. It just doesn't bode well for for any kind of growth as far as I'm concerned.
1: Yeah. Um what I've been exploring is that we carry shame. From childhood. Mm. So definitely don't shame each other. Definitely don't use it as a motivation. I actually just expressed this to my husband recently. I said, You know what I've noticed is that whenever I get defensive and whenever I get testy, I'm in shame. Because Mm. you've said something and I'm taking it personally. It's because I'm not good enough. It's because I didn't do the thing, right? It's like, just gets exploded. And he isn't shaming me. He's just, whatever, making some comment that is on his mind. Um, but that, that, and maybe not everybody carries this, but I think a lot of people do because like you spoke with parenting, we're not perfect. And definitely when we were children, the shame was used a lot more liberally as an effective parenting strategy. Um, and so just, again, owning my shame and being like, okay, I might, I might feel really gross when you said that thing and I, I'll tell you, but it's it's my shame, right? I'm not going to blame you for
0: that. Yeah, I think, and the, what you just shared there, and I want the listeners to make a note because I have a mental note at least is, is how how often it's coming up in what is offering and in her work is like this this extreme ownership of of it's not the external, it's the internal, and it's through that internal reflection that we can then serve and grow our serve and grow ourselves, and and then the external outside of us. Um, so I just, again, I love that commitment and that, um, consistency that you have with that and that it's, it, it's too easy to sit there and point our finger again. Like I said, at things outside of us, when we really have the power within us to do whatever it is that we're looking to achieve. And one thing I just wanted to share quickly in regards to the, I guess the embodiment is the term I'll use when you're talking about that woman walking across the street. And I just picture this like super empowered, beautiful being. And if you're unable to conjure that up yourself, something I do with my clients, I don't have them walking across the street sexy, but um, I have them pick mentors in different aspects of their life, um, whether it be their relationships or whether it be the work or or their physical being. And these mentors can be dead or alive. Um And I just encourage them and I asked them, okay, well, how does, how does he show up in a room? How does he act? How does she carry herself? And I think when you can hold that, it's not about, it's not about imitating. It's not about copycatting. It's just about what, what are a few characteristics that you recognize in that person that you hold in high value that you can start to embody. And uh, Albert Einstein, I think said, Um, there's no such thing as an original idea so we can start borrowing these things from people and then make it our own so for me when you're talking about walking across the street I don't know why Cindy Crawford from my childhood like popped into my brain like she was such a bombshell and such an iconic supermodel it's like show up like that just show up like Cindy Crawford where literally everyone's turning their head and not because she was just uh As socially accepted a beautiful person, but she was probably confident as hell. And she just commanded that attention. And I love the idea of looking around us for examples and then embodying that, uh, whether it be in business or our personal lives as well. I don't know what your opinion is on that.
1: Mm, Yeah, I love that idea. I love that. Um, It's very difficult to do something that you haven't seen before. Mm. Like if you have no, I talk about this a lot because there's very few examples of the kind of marriages my clients want, like lifelong love affairs. You don't see it very often and they're out there, but those people are quietly enjoying themselves. You know what I mean? Like there's just not that many examples and there's lots of examples of what you don't want. And so that it's like, well, how does that even work if I've never even seen it done? So I think that's a brilliant idea. And I want to just add something funny to the walking thing. You can do this in the forest on a trail. It's not for the other people. It's for you to risk showing up a little differently than you have in the past and Mm -hmm. to experience the signature in your body. So if you walk down your trail with a little swagger, you're going to have emotions come up, all kinds of emotions. You might feel shame. You might feel silly. Who knows? But you're going to be physically embodying something new, which is which is super scary at first, but is really exciting once you get over that hump of like, oh, this is weird. Like, what am I doing? Right. Um, I've noticed that a lot of my mentors were actors or they did acting and it comes up later because in acting, you get to practice embodying different emotions and it's not seen as fake and weird. It's just a practice and it's a play and it's a joy and and it's therapy. And I think there's really something to that.
0: Yeah, I love that. I, I don't think we play enough as adults i know i don't um and i love the fact that our i have we have i should say a beautiful gift of two healthy young kids that just force dad to be brad and not 40 year old brad probably like 12 year old brad and it's like (laughs) silly and it's probably like fart noises and inappropriate but it's just like it serves it serves me so much and actually it's probably helping me Not probably. I know it is. It's helping me be more creative with my clients and be able to tap into things that otherwise I wouldn't be able to if I was okay. You're an adult, be an adult, act like an adult, show up just like no, you introduce some play, have fun. Even for my leaders, I tell them, like, kick a soccer ball with your staff, do something different. And that's what you mentioned as well. We, if we, if nothing changes, nothing changes. So, introduce whatever it is. And I love the idea of 1%. If I can get a client of mine, as I'm sure you have the same, perhaps unconscious thought process, if I can get one, if I can get my clients facilitate 1% growth over our six weeks together, or for me over, you know, a 12 month contract, what's like, that is, that is expansive. That is completely different. They're showing up, they're feeling different emotions. They're, they're just completely different. So all I want is 1% every single day if we can do that then we're winning
1: i love that i love that and what i find and i see this in myself particularly now that it's compounding is once you realize you can do that it's game on oh my god yeah oh i can change oh i can try whatever i want oh i can think different stuff oh my god (laughs) really anything can happen and so when the you know, back to this theme of self-responsibility, which I love how that's come out because self-responsibility sounds really dour when you're at the beginning of the game. You're like, oh my God, everything's my fault. Like I don't get to blame anyone. I don't get to complain anymore. This sucks. Like, what is this? And I would say, it's not about blame, it's about responsibility. But what, what you catch a whiff of in that 1% is your power. And once you get a taste of, I have transformed myself, I have transformed my realm or my company or my friendships, you can't get off, that's the best drug. You're like, this is so cool. I, I mean, yes, it takes effort and intention, but you literally get to pick whatever you want, reverse engineer it and then get it, which yeah. is too, too cool. Like I can't get over that, especially in intimate relationships where people think it's so fixed. Oh my God, you're incompatible oh, he's old, he'll never change. Like, no, I have clients in their 60s and 70s. Like, it is never over.
0: Unless you believe that it is.
1: That's right. Then it's over. It was over when you were 20, if you believe that. You meet people like that. I just got to tell a quick anecdote. I was playing flag football in Vancouver. I was the only girl in this all-male tournament. The nicest guys ever. They invite me to play. And And I'm like, I don't know, 30 at the time. And there's this guy who's like, oh, I can't play defense. I'm getting old. And he's like 27. And I'm just like, you're giving up so early, buddy. I can't even handle it right now. Like, stop it. But you meet people in their 30s with their backs and their stuff. And they're like, oh, I guess I'm getting old. It's like, no, you are out of shape. This yeah. is a fixable problem. <laughs>
0: yeah. That reminds me of a couple of things that I want, um, I want to bring up and unpack with you as well, because I think it's so important uh, with the work that you facilitate and that uh, the work that I'm facilitating for my clients, before I get into it, because Kobe Bryant quote, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, of course, was, I just don't understand lazy people. We just don't speak the same language. And that is, I love that. I love that boundary that he has it's just like, I don't get you. And you don't get me and that's okay because this is where I'm going and I'm just, I can't understand. I'm out of shape. I can't understand. Uh, it's too early to get up. I just don't, I you just don't speak my language. And to that point, something that you said earlier about when I mentioned the mentor piece and you said you it's difficult to do things that you haven't seen done before, which is, I think a really a limited, um mindset that we have, because really we can dream up anything in our brains But how important is it, do you feel, for us, for your clients, to surround ourselves with aspirational identities, aspirational personalities, and I say this quite often, audit our environment. And I mean everything from the food in your fridge to the people you're spending most time with. And this has been around forever. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. And as a parent to two young kids, I'm basically spending time with my partner and kids and a couple, a couple hours a week with my buddies. Um, But how much does that come into your work Uh, where you're asking your clients, Hey, like do you and your girlfriends get together and kind of gossip and undermine each other's relationship and if so, we kind of need to stop that. Does that ever come up?
1: Yeah, it comes up a lot because um, I'm going to put a generalization out there, but it's, it's pretty powerful. Women are really, really sensitive to the judgments of other women. Like that's our, like men have a certain dominance hierarchy, right? But ours is about reputation and connection. And so women are heavily, heavily influenced by their friends and by their sphere. And you'll see divorces happen in like a, a chain effect fact in certain, certain friend groups. Because one person will, will talk about it incessantly, and the other people will go, yeah, my husband's kind of an asshole too, and it'll go downhill. And I, I've seen this happen, even in my mom's age group. Um, and, and so I, I really try to encourage that. It's very hard for people to find the communities they want, like those aspirational people. like Me and you exist in the online space, which is so amazing, because like you said, you can really find these different aspirational people who... Who resonate with you. I feel like the algorithm has just taken me to the next level. You know, you go deeper down the rabbit hole. And you're like, "Wow, these people are amazing. Like your podcast was like, blows your mind. And like that, that aspect of it is super cool. Um, and so for me, it's really critical. I do have one little twinge in my heart about that, that I should bring up is conscious women are often not in relationships with conscious men. Just the numbers don't match. There's more women in the movement than men. And they'll hear that and feel like their husband's dragging them down. Like, oh, well, should I like audit my husband out of here? Because I've, they'll say they outgrew their relationship. And I have like a, I take issue with that. It really brings up some frustration in me because to me, true spiritual growth is not about superiority over your people, Mm. right? I'm not better than my husband because I'm on a consciousness journey that maybe he isn't interested in, right? Like he might have gifts, and, and contributions that are just in a different realm. And so I'm really cautious about that particular advice with women, because that's usually what they look at first. There's my husband who triggers me and I feel this stress with him. And, and maybe he's not as ambitious as I'd like him to be. And, and, you know, maybe he doesn't get up as early as I do. And one small tweak, I also want to add is you said that stuff about, about lazy people, about Kobe. And I thought that is masculine energy. Just like, you know, up at the crack of dawn, doing the stuff. And women can sometimes overcompensate into that realm and lose our connection to our bodies, right? Mm -hmm. You'll see women who are just so driven, you know, they're more on top of things than any man you ever met, and they're burnt out as hell. And this is something that people don't really want to admit, but there's a lot of very dissatisfied women in very high places. And so I always... I always want to add the little feminine counterbalance of like, sometimes women need to sleep in, you know, sometimes women need more, heard that women need more sleep than men. I heard this on a podcast recently. Mm -hmm. Um, And they need to let themselves off the hook from what they're driving to be the perfect mom and the perfect wife and stuff. So um, I I love the idea of having boundaries with people for women. I'll give you the female equivalent just came to me. The female equivalent of lazy people is women who are in a victim mindset and blame men for everything. You can't be around those women, they're toxic. They will infect you with a victim mindset, which is if men would get their act together, we would be okay. And oh, I'm getting chill. It's it's epidemic, (laughs) like you don't want, and what's so sad about this is it's really trendy. Like it's like a joke to talk about how men have ruined everything and women would be great without them. And then in the same breath complain that they won't date us. Like, what is that? That makes no sense, right? You have to have a mindset that men are people there's ones doing well there's ones doing poorly there's ones contributing there's ones taking and you're just going to align yourself with those good ones that's it right Mm -hmm. to 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 villainize men i think is has been really destructive to women
0: yeah and i think it's pushing men further and further away obviously
1: yeah literally they're not dating women as much as they were
0: yeah yeah
1: concept for men to retreat from the feminine right
0: Yeah. And I think this is, I don't, I didn't think I was going to go here with this, but I will anyway, because it's just coming to me. Uh, There's, there's stats coming out of since, since the pandemic of uh, sexual activity in males being so down, um, like astonishing numbers in, in the demographic where you would expect it to be really high, like in that kind of like 18 to 25. And I would assume we could probably pick a bunch of different, uh attributions to that and one of them probably is this attack on the masculine this attack on um just men (laughs) period and it's probably just like where do i fit in like how can i be that how can i show up how can i be a bit of kobe but also be a bit you know softer as well because Mm -hmm. i'm so i feel so called to be a bit of that hard edge, you know, elbows out, chest up. Um, But you're telling me that I can't do that or shouldn't do that because it's offensive or it's degrading or whatever it may be. So I feel so, <clears throat> excuse me, lucky that I'm in a committed relationship because I am afraid of what that would look like outside of here. Daunting. Yeah.
1: It, it brings back what you said about the shame thing, right?
0: Mm, exactly. Shaming yeah.
1: men. It's not helping them step up it's not empowering them to flourish
0: mm-hmm. yeah. yeah yeah absolutely um i want to say thank you so much because i always really enjoy whenever we interact and for those of you that don't know um chilo and i did record a podcast uh, about a year ago and i always have been um i won't say always but i guess recently since we both moved to the east coast from the west coast I've always felt like I can, like confide in you and share with you. And um, I wanted to say thank you so much for that. And that's, that's coming from someone who isn't a client. So I can only imagine how you show up for your clients as well. And I wanted to celebrate uh, your ability to embody from my paradigm, this, this very uh, powerful feminine, but also this very powerful, powerful max, uh, masculine as well. So I want to say thank you. And um, I'm assuming on behalf of your clients, thank you as well, because you show up for the community really well.
1: I really appreciate that. I really appreciate your words and um, just your thoughtfulness. And I feel that containment with you, actually, that safety of like, I can bring up whatever's coming up for me. And I, I'm, I'm very aware that some of the things I bring up trigger people, and that can make me feel a bit nervous. Right. But in your presence, I'm, even though I know it's one of those topics, like I feel the flare going myself i can I can sense you're like, oh, okay, how do we you know share this space in a mm-hmm. way that doesn't um make anybody wrong? like we're just sharing the ex- expression and the exploration and and for me, that's very nourishing it's it's um It's just so much fun like I just find when you said more play, I thought, this is my play. Yeah. I love to just have conversations that you don't know where they're going to go you just the adventure of it and so yes thank you so much for inviting me on
0: yeah absolutely absolutely I, I, i'm so intrigued by uh by you and the work that you do and your paradigms and i will uh always hold space for you whether it's like formally like this or um i know we both haven't been afraid to jump into each other's direct messages dms as well so uh, I'll continue to do that and show up for you as best I can. So um, sorry guys for listening. We're just having like a little love fest here, Shiloh. <laughs> no. um, uh, I do want to respect your time and uh, and let you get on with your day. But before I do that, I want you to um, take red carpet here and let people know how best they engage with you. If they do want to do something formally with you, how should they reach out? Uh, I'm really intrigued by this course as well. So how would they access something like that? Just take the mic and let them know uh, if they want to engage, how they engage.
1: Okay. Thank you so much. So um I have a website, which is just my name, shilohminer.com. You can find my story there if you want to kind of, you know, creep around and find everything out, which most of my clients like to do that. Um, I also show up a lot on Facebook. So you can find me again there my name, Shiloh minor. And I assume you put the notes in there and I have yeah. a group for women, um, real life, love story, women creating there. So this is a free group where you can be on Facebook, be in my world, check out all my stuff. Um, but I'm very casual. You can just message me. You can pop me a Facebook message or I have a contact sheet on my website. If you'd like the formal approach um, and that happily married woman program I should have a landing page for that. I think I do, but I'll get it to you after. I have a landing page where you can um, find out the details of what's in happily married woman. And there's a short application. Um, Don't be intimidated by that. I just really want to know my clients so I can support you better. Um, But again, if you have questions about it, is this right for me? What does this involve? The only reason I need your address is for tax purposes. So don't panic. (laughs) Um, uh, Yeah, I I really, really love speaking to women who are in this realm because you are the change makers. You're the ones who refuse to be victims. You're the ones who lean into your faith and your love and your loyalty for your families. And so um, even if you're just curious, don't be shy to reach out. Okay.
0: Love it. I love it. Curiosity is something we all need a bit more of in our life. And I know I'm projecting there, but I'll say it for myself as well. Be curious, be curious. What is it like to go walk in the woods? What is it like to walk sexier males and females or however you identify, just embody it. And I really do feel like there's such an alignment between the work that you're doing and the work that I'm doing. And for some of us, for some of you listening, you might be sitting there going, I don't really get that. But I'm a true believer that what works in a boardroom as far as facilitating success can also work in a bedroom. And what I mean by that is it's about what you said at the very start. It's about getting in touch with yourself first. I can't expect for a CEO to all of a sudden have really high EQ emotional intelligence if he hasn't or she hasn't spent time touching base with their emotions first and doing their best to even articulate what that is. And it's something as simple as After a meeting, spend five minutes and just write down how you feel. That's like step one. Just like, let's see if you can start to understand and put words to and give names to your emotions, because the sooner you can do that, the sooner you'll be able to hold space, be empathetic and help others that are around you. And I think the same applies and feel free to jump in here. The same applies in our intimate relationships as well. It's it's about focusing on the internal first and foremost, that we can show up on
1: the external. Well, I can give you a proof of your theory. I've been teaching my husband this stuff, and he uses it at work
0: and He go. says
1: all the time it makes you so powerful when you go into a meeting and you can be in touch with your own anger and not react to it and you can have people coming at you who are angry and you cannot take that personally, and you can just hold the space for it and and for him his his reports just adore him because right. he gets in there, he validates what they're doing he's contained, he doesn't project his mess onto them. And they, like, it's that clear leadership, know what's expected, give validation when it comes and, and feel empowered. So I think for him, you know, he always loved leadership, but people can be very triggered by their superiors, right? And he, because of this work, he feels less disempowered in that space. Because the person who's best emotionally regulated has the most power in any space.
0: Absolutely. Love that. Feel your emotions, but don't let them muddy the waters of your actions, like recognize them, own them, but don't let them direct your next move, especially I would say in business and even more so in relationships, feel it, own it, recognize that it is just a feeling and don't let it become this big thing that it doesn't need to be or doesn't serve where you ultimately want to be going, whether it be again in business or in love. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> amazing i want to take a moment to thank you all for listening as well tuning in and supporting the podcast i get so excited and fulfilled like charlotte just said like this is play for her this is absolutely play for me finishing these podcasts i i have goosebumps i am fulfilled it's like leaving a meeting with one of my clients it just it lights me up and i love connecting with I'll say thought leaders like Shiloh and others. And I love finding the alignments in all of this work. And I just believe that this is, it's just massive ecology. Like what Shiloh is doing, what I'm doing, what other leaders in our individual spaces are doing, it's all interconnected. And I want to thank you guys for spending time with myself and Shiloh today. If you do want to find more out, about Shiloh. I'll link everything that she mentioned in the show notes. And I encourage you to check her out on Facebook. Like she said, she's active on there doing lives seemingly every week. And um, there's some true value there. So I encourage you guys to check that out, both men and women, obviously serving more women, but men don't be afraid to to jump in as well and and learn something. So thank you again for listening. Uh, That is Shiloh. I am Brad. You guys know what to do until next time. Be good and do good. That's it. We did it.
1: All right.
0: Another one. Thank you. That was awesome. Yeah, you did fantastic as always.
1: Thank you.